The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hello there, and thank you so much for joining me today on 5G Talent Talk. Today, we are going to talk about a very specific problem that telecom companies are facing right now. Everyone is moving at a faster pace than they've ever moved before. However, many companies are turning down work because they don't have the capital, the resources, or the people to do the work. So we're going to discuss this today with two gentlemen that I know very well, Michael Farone, the Senior Managing Director, and Mike Devine, the Managing Director of Skyway Capital Markets. Thank you so much for joining me today. Carrie, thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Carrie. Absolutely. Well, let's get right into it. I'd love to hear your journey. How did you start Skyway Capital Markets? How was it created? And tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, thank you. So Skyway was founded almost 20 years ago by some very good friends of ours. And myself and a couple partners actually bought the firm about five years ago. We've been on a rocket trajectory like a number of our clients, Inc. 500, Inc. 5000, a lot of awards along the way. And so Mike and myself, we've both been in finance our entire career as entrepreneurs, as investors, as intermediaries in a variety of roles. And Carrie, you mentioned it right. I mean, growth has been a core tenant of our focus all the way around. And most of the clients we work with are high growth. And Mike, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think I would just add my background has been largely financial and legal. Mike Frone and I have known each other for the better part of 15 years. And he's been in my ear for a number of years now about starting the telecom practice at Skyway. And I recently joined on some time ago to uh, head up that practice. And the interesting thing is that we're both headquartered in Tampa, Florida, and we've both been on the Tampa Bay Fast 50 for multiple years in a row. And I remember the first time I saw you, I thought, who are these people? And they seem so successful. So it was awesome just to get a chance to know you. And yes, you are growing rapidly as well. I know that one vertical that you really specialize in is the telecom space. Why did you choose that? And what makes you different? And what makes you excel there? Yeah. So first of all, the number one thing about the telecom space we like is that there's a secular tailwind as opposed to a lot of industries are cyclical. Oil and gas, it goes up and down or interest rates go up and down. But no matter what the economy's doing, no matter what the stock market's doing, just the, the this industry is exploding. And for the rest of our lifetimes, there's just going to be a really nice tailwind. And the second reason is because we have Mike Devine. And Mike, give a little bit about your background and our secret sauce. I've been in um, telecom for my entire career for about 20 years now. Got my initial start with PricewaterhouseCoopers fresh out of business school in their Los Angeles office. I was in one of the financial consulting practices at Pricewaterhouse and focused on the TICE practice, which is technology. So from there, a few years later, I ended up with a firm called Global Signal, which is one of the biggest tower operators at the time in Sarasota, Florida. And we were actively acquiring assets throughout the United States. So I was an integral part of our acquisition team. At the time, Global Signal was the first tower company to be classified as a real estate investment. 
So there were some unique dynamics that were brought into Global Signal at the time from their investors, which they brought in using mortgage-backed securities to finance transactions. So it drastically mm-hmm. changed the dynamic in the telecom sector for financing. So ran the acquisition team for Global Signal for a few years. That company ended up getting bought out by Crown Castle, at which time Crown Castle absorbed the entire acquisition team from Global Signal. And I stayed on for a few years as a consultant helping uh, Crown Castle build out their acquisition throughout the United States. So after doing that for a few years, I actually started some of my own businesses as an entrepreneur, developing towers, developing and uh, investing in other infrastructure assets. And then also I built my own firm being a business broker, representing folks that were in the um, space, building out those assets throughout the United States. And as I mentioned earlier, Mike Frone and I have known each other for the better part of 15 years. So he's been in my ear the last four or five years since he founded uh, Skyway and said, hey, why don't you join us and start the telecom practice? And finally, I decided to take him up on that. I've been friends for 15 years and it was an easy transition. You know, what's exciting about this is I'm sure, Mike, when you speak to telecom leaders, I mean, you speak their language, you understand their pain points, you understand their business. And I know that must make a difference, right? Yeah, it definitely does. You know, understanding the talking points of what they're dealing with. And there's been a lot of transition too. So when I first came in the first 10 years, everything was about the infrastructure and the assets. And nobody was paying attention to a lot of the service providers. In the last 10 years, the service providers have been really growing like crazy, like the asset base was in the early 2000s. So there's been a transition that we've seen there. And and, you know, having been on both sides of it, I've seen you know a lot of the folks that I've worked with over the years, not only were they owning assets, but a lot of times they had a service business line. They would be asking questions and I was involved with advising them on that. And plus, as an entrepreneur on myself, right, built my own assets, I was always hiring folks and working with folks to build those assets for myself. So, so when you talk to business leaders... What are some things that they have in common, some problems they have in common? I mean, what is their motivation to speak with you? I think initially, most of the folks we're talking to are hitting a, a crossroads in their business cycle where they're, they're kind of getting more growth opportunities than they're customarily used to and that they're comfortable with. So it becomes a question of, okay, how do I continue to grow? How do I manage the growth? And how do I de-risk somewhat? So that's kind of the opportunity that we bring to the fold is we know kind of the folks that would enable them to do that, which is to, you know, you bring in a capital source, whether it's an investor that can say, okay, we can help you de-risk by giving you some cash and we can give you some capital source to help you grow. Plus we know that some of the problem solving with adding layers of team members and such like that on how to grow the right way without taking too, on too much risk. Mike, any thoughts? Yeah, I agree with that. And Carrie, it's funny, your industry and what you do comes up in just about every conversation. I mean, everybody is struggling to find more talent. So that is a theme over and over again. Yes, it is. I know. We hear it all the time. Thank goodness. I guess I'm in the right business too, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Telecom and staffing. So that's good. I'll add another comment there too, though, because we see it threefold to some degree. We see it on the field worker level and on the project manager level, and then at the operational level as well, that are the business leaders we're talking to, they look at all three of those and they're having difficulty with finding sourcing for for new staff on all three of those fronts. I was just going to add to that. It's a great industry in our experience in terms of just the people that we've interacted with. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is 
Yeah. It's some of the best people we've ever met. And as opposed to some other industries, I mean, everybody we've met really, really cares about their employees, really cares about their culture. And speaking with us about any change, that's just the absolute most important thing. It can't be compromised. And when they're thinking about doing anything, as they continue to grow the business, they absolutely don't want to lose that. It's a people business. And it's just really important that as the company continues to grow, that the lives of the employees are benefiting from it as much as anybody, because that's how they got there. And all these folks running these businesses, they know that. I love your emphasis on people, because I agree with you in telecom. The people are great. And I'm sure people are great in other industries too. But when I first got into telecom, that's the first thing I noticed. I thought, man, everybody's so nice. And I remember cold calling for the first time and in telecom, not the first time in my life, but in telecom. And people were really nice to me. No one hung up on me. And I thought this is going to be an industry that I'm just going to stay in forever. So I agree with you there. You know, speaking of the telecom industry, we hear all the time that our clients are turning away business because they just don't have the resources and not just the people, but maybe the capital as well. So it is a real problem because these companies could grow so much faster and you know if they just had the resources but what are some very specific challenges that you see because i know you work in different verticals but what are some specific challenges that you see in telecom with telecom leaders that maybe you don't necessarily see in other verticals or that are telecom specific you mean to handle this one mike yeah one of the things that's interesting that we've seen especially with regards to wireless especially with the service providers, is if you look back and you wind back the clock from call it 2000 to 2010, the capital spend was very cyclical and somewhat lumpy. So it was up and down, up and down, up and down. Then we get to 2010 to the present and 4G deployment started and everything got a little bit steadier, I would say. So what we've seen is a lot of small companies have had massive growth from 2010 to today. So they've gone from zero to 20 million in revenue in less than 10 years oftentimes, which that growth trajectory is a little bit crazy for an entrepreneur to be able to handle with, especially with figuring out how do I put the resources together to make this happen? So I think that's where the biggest driver of it is coming from. And it's all about, it comes back to like we've talked about here, It's all about people and adding the resources to be able to hit those numbers. So the driver coming from the top is the carriers, the infrastructure builders have this great, great demand to build the infrastructure and they're looking for resources to build it. And the resource is somewhat limited and the people that are trained and capable of doing it are limited. So they're always trying to find new resources who are better capable of executing on the work that's needed. So as these guys have grown from zero to 20, Now they're trying to figure out how to grow from 20 to 50 because the opportunity's there and it hasn't been there before. And they're finding the staffing needs to meet those expectations. And that's probably the biggest challenge. And it's across the board. I mean, we can find 20 companies that we've talked to and you look at their history and they've all gone from zero to 20 in three to five years or less. And they're trying to figure out how do they continue to grow and how do they continue to meet the expectation of their customer? Because, you know, the customers are demanding. They want more out of a single resource. So they're coming to them and saying, hey, can you double your productivity next year? And that's the challenge is, okay, how do I double productivity? I just added 20 people last year. Where am I going to find the next 20 people? And where's the capital come from? Where do the people come from? So that's kind of the, I think, the biggest concern that we're running across 
with most of the business leaders that we're speaking with. Yeah, you know, it seems like a good problem to have because in many businesses, it's, you know, they're looking for the business, they're looking for the work. And we have that here. So I agree with you 100% there. Could you give a case study, if you will, or an example or a success story of a problem that you turned into a solution? Yeah, so I would say, and by the way, I want to stay on the last question for one more moment, Carrie. Yeah. Sure. So about it. I mean, you think it's about your episode. Problem. You can do whatever mm-hmm. you want. <laughs> so you talked about, I mean, one of the problems is all this work that we can't take on. And so within the past 24 hours, the Biden administration just put forth their infrastructure bill. They're proposing $100 billion for broadband. And if you think about it, that's money going into the ground. That is the construction businesses, the service businesses that are building these networks. So you think about the typical folks we're running across that are 10 to 20 to 30 to 50 to 100 million in revenue. I mean, that's really where we're focused. And you think about dividing 100 billion divided by that type of revenue. I mean, there's more work than any of us are going to be able to handle. I mean, I honestly, I don't know how they're even going to be able to spend that much money with the folks that are out there. But another situation is these guys are growing so fast and gals that a business that might be doing seven, eight, $10 million of EBITDA this year, profit, maybe five years ago, they were doing 1 million. It's just been such an incredible trajectory, maybe even less than that. They've come out of nowhere. And while they have extremely profitable businesses today, they've been reinvesting in growth, reinvesting in growth. So they've got a great business. They haven't had a ton of distributions to take out and reward themselves. And now most of their net worth is tied up in this asset. So, you know, de-risking, taking some chips off the table is a solution that we provide. Another solution is, hey, I want to do that, but also I have all these other opportunities. I already have all my capital in here. I don't want to put more capital in, helping them with a growth partner. So I know I veered off course on your question, Carrie, just because I'm so excited. But No, I um, love it. You answered actually a few in the future. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> all right, <laughs> You're but, an overachiever. But, I love it. No. <laughs> but, but, so a case study, this is a repetitive case study, a repetitive issue that we run into. So our industry, this telecom services industry, there's plenty of conferences. Folks love to meet face-to-face. Yes, and at they do. The, and at these conferences, the bigger companies, they're roaming around. Hey, do you want to sell me your business? And they're going, hey, let's just go cut a deal. Let's go over here. Let's go have a drink. You know me. I know you. And that is not the necessarily, I mean, it's almost never the best outcome. And so even if that party is the right party, If you're not speaking with some other folks and creating competitive tension, that's what we do through our process. That's our intangible value. A, you're going to leave money on the table, which is important. But B, finding the absolute perfect culture and the right match. I mean, it's such a big decision. You only get to sell this business once or sell a piece of this business once or take in a capital partner in that kind of way one time. And so we call it regret prevention insurance, but we've got some great references and testimonials that we could certainly introduce to folks that would that would speak to that where the valuation literally doubled or more that's happened on more than one occasion so that's a pretty big difference and anyway that's awesome that's exciting valuations doubling is always a great conversation to have so and i want to speak to again the talent shortage in our industry because you mentioned biden's plan and and the money that's going to be just poured into our industry and the opportunity. But there's a lack of people. So who is going to do this work? And, you know, I thought about something before our interview. I thought, okay, so 
we have the capital. So let's say I'm a service telecom services company. I've got all this capital and now I can go out and I can hire all these people and I can take on all this work. But let's say that I can't find these people. So I have a solution to that. And the solution is that companies need to develop training programs, right? And training centers so they can actually take people that have transferable skills or people that are fresh to the telecom industry or coming out of college or maybe changing careers or bringing new talent into the industry. There's got to be a way that companies can find these people, take these people and train them. And the capital that you provide to them and the resources They can use that to develop these training programs so they can train up their own. So I thought that was a key point here to mention in all of this, because there could be people thinking, well, great, if I had $10 million, I still can't find the people, right? But you you can create your own training program or center. We have clients that have full training centers throughout the country, and it's very profitable to train your own people. So do you find that jobs are created when you get involved with a company, would you say? Well, there's jobs getting created in this industry, period, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) And so the smart business owners that are in this space are figuring out how to make those jobs on their payroll, not somebody else's, but the jobs are getting created. Someone's (laughs) doing the work. Right. So so yeah, I guess there's three ways. You can hire somebody that knows what they're doing. You can hire somebody that you're going to train or we're seeing a lot of consolidation. We're seeing a lot of acquisitions. And so some companies say, I'm going to hire as many as I can, but it's not enough. I'm also going to go acquire some other businesses that have employees and bring them under our umbrella, which all takes capital, but. Yes, it does. (laughs) That's an understatement. So, but that's why you're here. So Uh you can provide that. So why Skyway? What makes you different? I know that there's many companies out there that are similar to you, even in telecom, right? So what makes you different than let's say your competitors? Yeah. So. What's really unique with Skyway, all the senior folks on our team, we've all been entrepreneurs, we've all owned our own businesses, and we have worked at the largest and most prestigious financial institutions, and for that matter, some of the largest telecom infrastructure businesses. And so in terms of knowledge and expertise, I don't think there's anybody out there that's, that's got more experience in this space that we can offer to our clients, not to mention diverse backgrounds, including CPAs, JDs. CEOs of public company, all sorts of legal and accounting background. But so with all that said, the difference with us, the larger firms are volume. They're doing lots and lots of transactions and it's not as personal. They just don't care as much about a particular transaction because they have so many going. Ours, we were all kind of frustrated with that. And we said, look, we'd rather work on fewer transactions. We'd rather do it ourselves, not have some kids do it on our team and farm it out. And we'll actually, we'll work with a client from cradle to grave we know we're going to get a better outcome if we're doing it than handing it off to somebody else. So we can't do as many transactions that way, but we do better transactions that way. Most of our business is from referrals. And so I think that's the difference. Mike, anything that you'd add? I think the, the other thing that I would add to it, and this is more from my personal experience, I had been prior to joining Skyway, I've been working for myself. And for me, it is a group of entrepreneurs who have all kind of got their start and, and with the big firms. And that's where they kind of, we've all learned there. And then we've all kind of said, oh, let's go do it ourselves. And for me, it wasn't about joining Skyway to kind of head up the telecom practice. It was more my relationship with Mike Farone. Mike and I have been friends for years. So it's kind of, there's just a camaraderie there aside from being finance professionals that we've known each other so long and say, hey, let's just go do this together and and build a, a practice together. So 
I think it's more entrepreneurial and it's built more on that, similar to a lot of the, how our clients are actually formed. You know, usually our clients are formed the same way. It's a couple of guys that just said, hey, let's go do this ourselves because we yeah. can do it better. So I think that's kind of where I came from when I joined. I was like, I wasn't looking to go to an investment bank and be the, the telecom guy. I was Mike Frone and I are buddies. We've known each other. and We've been talking about doing deals for years. And we finally said, hey, let's put our heads together. Yeah. And, you know, and I noticed that about you as well in Skyway. And when I first met you and we had lunch and it just feels like you really, you care. And I know a lot of companies say that we really care about people, but, you know, there's a passion behind what you do. And it's almost like you are in the same place as your clients and you get them and you want the best. And I wanted to ask you this question. I've been curious about this. Seems like there's tension or this nervousness when employees and team members hear that a P firm is involved or investment banking firm is involved or the company may be acquired or maybe acquire another company because there's these images of jobs are going to be cut and is my job in danger? And people will actually come to us and say, hey, I need to be looking for another job because this is happening at my company. So can you speak to this? It just feels like a company like yours comes in and then they just start cutting jobs and then there's debt and there's all of this stuff going on and then people get put on the street and they're confused. And does that really happen with you? (laughs) Yeah. And first of all, and that's a great question too, is so to differentiate, we're an intermediary. So we represent the business and its employees and the whole team. We're not the ones that are coming in with our capital directly. And so, but with that said, when you hear private equity, a lot of folks think KKR or some giant private equity fund that's buying multi-billion dollar companies. They're buying Toys R Us and they're going to fire everyone and they're going to cut headcount and they're going to put a bunch of debt on it. And it's kind of a, it's a nasty way to make money. And that is a mega cap private equity strategy at the level we're operating at where the businesses are valued at, at 10 to $200 million. Generally, the buyers and the investors care passionately about the companies and the employees and the culture, all the investors care. I mean, that's their number one question, the right one, certainly. And so, and you think about this business, Carrie, I mean, there's some businesses, like if you're in a distribution business or some other business where the employees, there's less employees and most of your cost is in the materials or some other part. But here, your biggest expense is the employees and the business is the employees. I mean, it's not like you have, the employees are the asset and the investors care about growth which means more employees, not less. I mean, in this business, you're not going to go fire a bunch of employees and grow, right? I mean, that's not going to work. And so it's fascinating that they underwrite the entrepreneurs. They want to make sure that the entrepreneur cares about the employees, which all of our clients seem to in this space for sure. But they will come up with programs that are actually the complete opposite of those mega guys. And oftentimes there will be incentives or rewards or employee stock ownership pools, and basically some pretty serious incentives for the employees to continue to help grow in the business and get rewarded for it. And so it can be really meaningful for the employees, the amount that that can be. Yeah. I love hearing that. Anything else to share, Mike? Not on that. I think I would add to the fact that there there is this perception that initially that there's going to be cuts. And that's just a, a misperception. But what we hear from all of the buyers and investor groups that we talk to, it's all about employee retention and how many employees do they have? What's the turnover been? How is the training programs? What are the certifications? So the guys that we're talking to on the buy side and the investor side are all about the employees and retaining those employees because that's where they're seeing the growth ultimately going to come from. 
So it is, like Mike said, a little bit different with the businesses that we're looking at on that lower middle market, that the growth all comes from employees and the, the driver of the growth is the employees. So from a company, let's say I'm one of your ideal clients and what do I need to be doing right now to, let's say, even prepare to work with you in six to 12 months? Like what do the buyers look for? Yeah, well, I, I would say that you should call us and we should talk about that because there's <laughs> more than we could probably cover here. You know, the number one thing would be books and records, just being organized, having good accounting, having good accounting controls. And we know these are generally family owned businesses that they're growing fast and you never realized you'd be as big as you are now and you're busy doing so much different stuff. But good books and records makes a difference. So when folks ask you questions about your business, you can answer them. And not everybody does job costing. We wish they did. All the buyers ask about it. It would benefit your business to do it anyway. You know it would. It's not easy, but we could help you get hooked up with some folks that could help you implement that if you don't already have it. But job costing is, is a question everybody asks about. If you don't have it, it doesn't mean you can't do a transaction because we do. Most folks don't have it, but if you did have it, it would really help you. And it would also help you grow your business so that you win the right bids. You're not winning the ones you don't want and you can run your business better. Right. You know, it sounds to me like you could come in really at different stages. You could speak to someone who is considering this down the road and saying, what do I need to do now to prepare for this later? And you could save a lot of time and headaches and really position someone well. So even if somebody's not thinking of this right now or ready for this now, seems like you could come in now and almost serve as a consultant for a while to get them positioned, you know, ready for that. Is that true? Yeah. Well, we could do carry on that call. And we don't charge for that. Our goal is just to help people and make them informed. So when they do make a decision that they consider us to be part of it. And so we can share with them all the questions the buyers ask. Here's the questions you're going to get, guys. I mean, we know what they are and we can go through them in detail. And some of them, I mean, if you had 12 months to prepare, 18 months to prepare, it would be helpful. It would be helpful yeah. to talk to us. And there's little tweaks in here. It doesn't mean you have to work more hours in a day. It's just not harder. It's just different. Understood. No, that's excellent. So let's look at the 5G world. You know, you are in this world, definitely from a different perspective. So I want to hear your view of what's happening now in this 5G world. What trends are you seeing today and the future? I can hit that one. You know, it's, it's interesting to just kind of look at the history in general of wireless. And like I had mentioned earlier, I came into Global Signal almost 20 years ago, and we look at where the it was then compared to where it is today, even if we just like kind of take a quick look at a snapshot of the tower world. Tower world, when I came into it 15, 16 years ago, was trading at an eight to 12 times. We had no idea where it was going. It was all voice calls. It was, they weren't even thinking yet of data and video and all these right. other things that are, that are coming online. So we look at today where it's at, and if you look at the publicly traded tower companies, they're trading at astronomical multiples. And a lot of that being driven by the potential for 5G. So the market is looking at those tower companies and saying they're uniquely positioned to capture this 5G growth. So that's just looking at one piece of the overall telecom market with the cell tower owners. So it flows from them, from the carriers and to everybody else that's involved in the whole infrastructure. That valuation proposition is affecting everybody that is in the telecom world with 5G. And the thing that's interesting okay. to know too is we're just starting with 5G. So we get these, we can look out there and we see all these advertisements saying 
we have the best 5G network, but it's just starting to be built today. They just did an auction this past winter for the C-band uh, spectrum licenses. And that was a large part of the driver on how they're going to build those networks. So to think that 5G is being built for the last three, five years, it hasn't. It's been more 4G. So we're just transitioning to 5G now. So if we look at the growth prospect out there, the next eight to 10 years, it's going to be amazing for 5G. And it's going to flip from the carriers down to the tower operators, down to anybody that's touching the service work on any of that infrastructure. So I think everybody that's involved will be seeing in both their own personal economics with their business model. And then also there's valuation improvements just because everybody wants to get in on it now because they see the, the long-term opportunity. And that's a big thing for service providers that, that we've seen. I think historically, the growth prospect for the service providers, it was very cyclical and it wasn't long-term. But now you look out there and you look at 5, 4G, it's taken 10 years to build out and it was pretty steady. 5G is going to take even longer. And they're already talking 6G. I know I saw something a couple of months ago about there's a consortium of high-level executives that are meeting to already start discussing 6G, who knows what that's going to be, but, but it's very interesting that they're already talking about that. And we haven't even started 5G yet and already talking about 6G. Yeah, it looks like I'm going to have to start 6G talent talk soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be next on my list. You know, there's an incredible amount of opportunity out there. We are in the right place at the right time. And I think the message is don't miss the bus. You know, don't miss this opportunity to grow and take advantage of this unprecedented time in our industry. So I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Please, where can we reach you? What is your website, your phone number, your Instagram page, your Facebook? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so how can you be reached? Carrie, we make it easy. We've got everything on our website. It's very easy to reach us and contact us. And that is skywaycapitalmarkets.com. Ooh, that is easy. Skywaycapitalmarkets.com. Very, very good. Well, it's been a pleasure. I could talk to the two of you forever. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been great. Thank you so much for having us, Carrie. Yeah, thank you, Carrie. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.